Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. So Father, we thank you for Jackie, that she's a vessel. And Lord, she'll be used by you and that she'll flow in the anointing of the Holy Spirit on her with free utterance. Um, you know, just, just absolutely free of the fear of man to be herself, to walk in the grace and the humility and the love that you've given her and the, and the vision that you've seen, that you put in her heart, Lord, that she'll flow in the fullness of the gift that's on her life. And Lord, open up our ears to hear what you say to us. We receive the impartation. We receive this gift that you have given us. And we give, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Leo. Praise the Lord. How awesome was that worship? Let's give it up for the worship team. I love that we have uh, worshippers in this house. And um, it's not just worship, it's praise. And um, I haven't had encounters in this house when I've come and felt the glory of God. And so thank you so much, um, Leo and Christine, for having me. Uh, I love being in this house. Um, everyone is always so welcoming. Who feels welcome when you come into this place? It's so important to be the body of Christ and not to be out on our own limb, but actually come into the body and not have an out-of-body experience. Amen? And, um, you know, I've come into this house and Leo and Christine are so graceful with me. <laughs> And I just want to say thank you for everyone for giving me a sense of belonging and nurturing as well that you've welcomed me, um, you know, as family. And that means a lot to me. And I'm excited to walk out um, this journey together with you. And I love that word that Sarah brought as well, because oaks of righteousness are for the display of his splendor. And we, when we represent that oak of righteousness, other people can come beneath the shade of our righteousness and they can partake in his splendor. So the more that we know that we have an agreement, the more that we know that we have right standing with the Father, the more that we'll put his character and his righteousness on display in our lives. And so I say amen to that word. Um, I just want to pray. So, Lord, I just thank you for this amazing opportunity, Lord God, to bless this house, Father, um, to bless GGC Life and to bless the body of Christ, Lord God. I pray, Jesus, that you would speak through my lips today. I pray, Lord, for a word in season to bring edification, exhortation and comfort. And I thank you, Lord God, that you saved us, that you delivered us, Lord God, and you brought us to a broad place. And so, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for an impartation today from the throne of grace. And, Lord, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your Spirit, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited about today because <laughs> the Lord wants to speak to his people. But what he does, he speaks in us and to us so he can deliver a message through us. So what I've been feeling in this time for the body of Christ is, is obviously so much the times and the season of what we're going through at the moment, but just the rising up of the saints and rising up of the children of God. And I had a very strong prophetic dream about a month and a half ago 
And um, I don't know if you guys know Jessica Kulianos, but I had a dream where I was massaging the shoulders of her, and I was massaging down her back and through her spine. And if you know Jessica Kulianos, she's actually the daughter of Benny Hinn. And she has a church with her husband, Michael Kulianos, in Orlando, Florida, and it's called Jesus Image. And so the Lord was showing me, now she was a metaphor for the church, for the image of Christ. She was a metaphor for the body. And as I was massaging the shoulders, the Lord actually, He was showing me like, this is for the body right now. I need you to massage my body. My body needs relief. The children of God need relief. There's been a lot of suffering. There's been certain situations that we've been through. And then the Lord also showed me because uh, massaging the back or the spine, it actually represents the backbone of the body of Christ. And God's bringing a strengthening to our, our bones, yes, but to our backbone. He wants to give us strength to our backbone. Now, why, why would He speak like that to me? Well, here's the thing that Jessica Kulianos' father operates in the anointing and in the glory of God. So what the Lord wants to do, He wants to bring relief to the body of Christ. Yes, He wants to bring exhortation, but He wants to bring a supernatural empowerment to strengthen our backs, to strengthen our spines, that we be a mighty army and that God would actually be able to move on the body to bring a fresh anointing and, and to bring that glory of God. Now, in the opposite of that, and I, I don't know if you guys heard of Bob Jones, but I was uh, listening this morning, actually, he was talking about um, those who were operating out of the first heaven and the second heaven. You see, it's so easy for us to see what's happening in the realm of the natural. You know, wars and rumors of wars and all of these things, it's obvious sometimes to us to feel what is happening in the second heaven, the realm of the spirit. And so the, the second heaven is where angels and demons reside. So we can see something that obviously that the devil is doing, but we don't want to prophesy out of the second heaven because obviously devils are on an assignment from Satan, but angels are on assignment from heaven. But we want to prophesy out of the realm of the Spirit where the King of glory is so we can usher in His presence. Because He wants us to see, like, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want that that infiltration of the heavenly hosts on assignment to move in this realm so we can see eternity move in our natural and in, in our here and in our now. So we, we don't prophesy out of the second heaven. Anyone can look and see what the devil's doing, how he is. It is John 10, 10, the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus Christ came for life and life more abundantly. Christine, I love your heart. I don't know if anyone's seen her heart this morning, but it says believe. That's even a realm to believe. Do you sincerely believe? I would have, I have, would have despaired if I had not believed. I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
And so what happens is we can feel a sense of despair because we're sensing things. If you know how to operate in the things of the Spirit or if you're a feeler or if God gives you impressions, because I believe when you're born again, you're born of the Spirit. And the Bible says, who can, you, who can know the thoughts of God except by the Spirit of God? But we have His Spirit. Amen? If you're in Christ, you have His Spirit. So you can receive divine revelations. But we must tap in to the realm of the heavenly kingdom, His rule, His domain, His authority, His power. And so this dream, I believe, that represents the times and the seasons that we're in, that God wants to give us almost like a spiritual massage so that we can actually press into Him and almost sit back into Him, even as Leo talked about how Jesus knew what was coming. But, you know, He lent in, and I believe He lent into the Father. I believe even though Jesus knew what was ahead, you know, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured the cross. But we must, we must rely and lean back into our Father in order to have that endurance to move forward, to to run and to follow and to pursue. You know, lately the Lord's uh, been showing me as well that there's many people in the body of Christ where you're looking at your current situations or the things that you've been through in recent times. And it is quite uh, oppressive and off-putting, perhaps, the things that you've been through. And the Lord spoke to me so clearly yesterday as actually um, weeping because the Lord gave me this revelation and I saw people standing on the brink of a precipice. This is what the Lord said to me. He showed me... I, I see some people standing on the edge of a precipice and you feel like you are right on the edge. You've been contending for a long season, but you feel a sense of discomfort and foreboding that something is about to go wrong and you're about to lose your footing. I really feel like the Lord wants to minister into this situation right now because foreboding is the fear of something about to go wrong. And the Lord wants to reestablish us and reaffirm us again in His love so that we'd be rooted and grounded in who He is and who He calls us to be. Because if we are not grounded and rooted in His love, then we unfortunately are going to get pushed and pulled around by what's happening, yes, in this realm, but also in the second heaven as well. As I said, where the angels and demons are, we'll be pushed and pulled around. But God wants to give us a, a, a stable footing, and He does that through His love. To see the Lord, I see you, the Lord giving you a firm footing. He's establishing your steps and establishing you in His steadfast love. And some are doubting decisions you've made lately. You're unsure if you've heard from God, and you're literally doing your best. If, this, if you feel like God's talking to you through this word, then I just want you to give me a little hello right now. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there. You, you know, I feel like a lot of people, it's like you're standing here and you're like, oh Lord, like I'm right on the edge. I'm not sure what's about to happen next, but I'm afraid that something bad is about to happen. But what he wants to do is minister to you in that very place so that you wouldn't feel a sense of discomfort, but you'd feel nurtured by him. You'd be re-strengthened and you'd be realigned to his purposes. 
You see, what happens is the anointing on your life has such great power. You have such a great authority. And that what the devil wants to do is he wants to try and steal your power. And he wants to try and steal your authority. But we know he only has as much authority as what we give him. But how he tries to steal that is through trying to block us or distract us from the presence of God. And so because if he can steal our intimacy or our time with Jesus or steal our time in his presence, then what he can try to do is try to steal the anointing that's on your life. That's what the devil tries to do, tries to undermine you so therefore you feel like you cannot do the things that you are called or created to do. Is this speaking to somebody? Distractions can also steal from you your joy. It can try to steal from you your vision. The Bible says without vision, the people perish, like cast off restraint, yeah? So, you know what? The Lord also reminded me how um, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, it talks about in John, how God breathed on them. He breathed on them. That was the Holy Spirit, the Ruah, the very breath of God. And he says, as the Father sent me, I send you. So what the Lord wants to do is breathe afresh upon us and recommission us and remind us that as God sent Jesus, the Father sends you. The devil is trying to steal your calling by stealing your intimacy. And by stealing your intimacy, he tries to unplug you from your calling. Seek first the kingdom and all will be added unto you. I've just been replaying this over and over in my mind. Seek first the kingdom. Oh God, what does it look like to seek first the kingdom? I seek your face before all others. I I wake up in the morning and I say, good morning, Holy Spirit, before I'm tempted to tap into any other conversational realm. So that's what it looks like because it's the foxes that try and steal. You know, it's the minute decisions and the daily decisions that bring us discomfort, that bring us to a place of not abiding in the vine. But he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And I think sometimes we forget what abiding actually looks like, that it looks like some hyper-spiritual thing that we need to do. But it's no, it's just turning our face towards Him. Just in that minor moment, we're just, I'm choosing to press into you. I'm choosing to choose you in the midst of the unknown. Jesus was amazing at it. You know, he even um, went to pray at nighttime or he, you know, he left everyone to go and do, to spend time with his father. He was even in uh, the storm and the boat and they were looking to him, you know, for answers and for comfort. And in the middle of the storm, he was still the Prince of Peace. I'm going to go to Acts 9 at the moment because I was out evangelizing yesterday and The Lord was talking to me about um, pride, actually. (laughs) He was talking to me about the unsaved. Yesterday, I was ministering to a man, and 
Now, one of the things that's very important for someone to receive Christ is that they understand that they need to actually turn from the ways, from the path that they're on. Their heart needs to turn. Once their heart turns, the, the Bible says that when one um, turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So their heart needs to have a, a transformation. Only Holy Spirit can do that, convict someone's heart. Not condemn them, but convict them of their own sins so that they're convicted of their right standing with God. But their heart needs to turn in order for, you know, they need to actually choose to do that. And that can only happen if someone understands that the path that they're walking on is actually separate from God, that they're not right with Him. And so yesterday I was discussing with this man, like, talking about sin, and I asked him, like, do you have sin? And he said to me, no. And I said, well, I, I have so much sin. My sin would be heavy. And this man blatantly said, oh, well, what you call sin, I would not call sin. But sin is doing anything disobedient to what God's Word says. Amen? Amen. And so this man, like, in that moment, the Lord spoke to me about pride. Because many people, I evangelize to a lot of people, many people think, because I've done good deeds, therefore I'm good. Many people think, because, you know, I've spent my life trying to be a good person, that that's going to get them into heaven. But let me tell you, someone could think that they're doing the right thing or that they're doing God a favor, but they're really not because it's the ego. And so I'm going to go to Acts 9, and this is talking about Paul. Then Saul, uh, verse 1, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found anywhere, anyone who are of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. You see, Paul thought that he was doing God a favor by persecuting Christians who were so high and mighty. As the journey came near to Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And what that actually means is with the oxen, you know, the, um, they'd have a, a prodder. And when the oxen were treading grain or treading out the, the, the plowing, and um, they would prod them and they would kick against the goads. That's what a goad was. It was a, like a prodder. And they'd kick buck against it. And that's what Jesus was saying to him. Like, it's hard for you to kick against me. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said, said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. You see, Saul thought that he was doing something right. He thought he was helping God by persecuting Christians. He thought that he was in the right. You know, this is an extreme version or extreme example of someone that they thought that they were doing the right thing. They thought that this was the way to heaven by very alarmingly persecuting the very people that God had sent potentially into his life to be an example of who Christ actually really is. But 
He was murdering them because his own ego said, I'm doing God a favor. I'm higher, higher, I'm mightier, I know the law, I'm righteous. So therefore, I'm going to wipe out these people. And that was what Paul's attitude was. There are many people that think they're doing the right thing or doing God a favor or being high and mighty by being good. And they're not because they don't have right standing with God. And so this is a very extreme example, but I think Saul's um, testimony is so profound because God kicked him off his high horse and he saw the light and God himself confronted him. Why are you kicking against me? This is not bringing you any sense of reality of fulfillment. But then Saul arose from the ground and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. He was there three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. So Saul had come off the horse and he had totally lost his eyesight. Now the next part of it is very interesting. And I think the Lord does this for us at times as well. He gives us a direction to go somewhere. And then he says, well, when you get there, I'm going to tell you or I'm going to explain to you what to do. And I feel like a lot of us, God's given us some direction even at the moment. And maybe you don't see what's on the other side, but through your obedience that God's going to give you the word or the knowledge or the wisdom to know what to do when you get there. Verse 12, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go, for he has chosen a vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. You see, Paul had a radical conversion. He was thrown off that horse and on the other side of that God was going to use him to preach the gospel but it wasn't that he was going to be unscathed in that next chapter of life but it was actually that he had to push through because there were many times that he was brutally bruised he was beaten he had suffered he was the one person in the bible and I believe that suffered with endurance to see God's kingdom manifest on the earth. Verse 17, And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road has come, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food and he was strengthened, then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. You see, there are some people that are very unlikely that they'll receive Jesus. But when they receive Jesus, the conversion is so radical and the Lord's just reminded me at the woman at the well and how God radically trans, she, he, her whole life 
was turned in a different way. She ended up being an evangelist, a woman that was so ingrained in the world. And she went out and said, let me tell you about a man that told me everything that I ever did. And I think that God, he does this in his nature. And I feel like God wants to actually save the people that are, yes, persecuting him, but their own ego, their own ego. God wants to demolish that ego so that people would say, you know, I was once blind, but now I see. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is a son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and, it, and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus was the Christ. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. You see, Paul knew that the religious wanted to kill him, but he still got up and did it anyway. Now, I think there's a lot of metaphor in this because in this uh, day and age, there's persecution against the saints. And I know that Paul stood there in the midst of adversity and he still witnessed, he still professed, he still spoke to the religious and I believe that that's how God wants to use us in this hour. He uses the foolish things to confound the wise. I want to go back to verse 15. It says, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. 16, For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. You see, when we're ruling and reigning with Christ, it does not come without suffering. It does not come without discomfort. It does not come without, you know, the devil tries to, as I said before, he tries to steal our intimacy, which is trying to steal the presence of God. And he tries to steal our authority. But let me tell you, the name of Jesus is higher than above any other name. And Paul, Paul's life, when I look at his whole life, he brought the confrontational nature of the gospel. And he never stopped and he never quit. This is Galatians 1, verse 11 to 12. Paul's saying, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from men, nor was I taught but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, we don't preach a gospel that we haven't understood. We preach a gospel that we received through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. We don't come with those wise and persuasive words, but an actual demonstration of power. You know, so that people's faith is not in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. In Philippians 3.10, Paul's saying that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. And I remember Paul saying, it's better for me that I go, meaning it's better for me that I go to the Father, but it's better for you that I stay. He, he even knew. 
He wanted to go to the Father, but he knew it was better for, for him, better for you rather, that he would stay. So he could impart something, so that he could actually not only just preach the gospel, yes, preach the gospel, yes, save souls, but also bring a confrontational shaking against the principalities and powers and high things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Galatians 1 verse 11 to 12, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Christ. So that revelation, that deep revelation. In Philippians 3, verse 7 to 11. But what things were gained to me, that these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss or dung. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. You see, Paul had such a pro profound revelation. He knew what he had been saved from. When we know what we've been saved from, the Bible says, he who has been forgiven much loves God much. And so when you understand, you see, yes, Paul was doing horrible things and persecuting Christians. But if you've been saved for five minutes or if you've been like Paul and had a horrible past, whether you've been saved for five minutes or have this uh, terrible activity that you used to do before Christ, you've still been saved from the pit of hell. If you've been saved for one minute, you've still been saved from the pit of hell. God can still use you in the same way that he used Paul. But he can only do that if we actually spend time with him. You know, what point would it be if you had a marriage, but you didn't spend any time with your husband or wife? And so it's that intimacy, that one-on-one -on -one time with the Lord. And through that intimacy, that into me you see, that's where his presence makes you brave. And his presence makes you bold. And where you find actually significance because you can still be standing there, you know, on the brink of a situation, but you know who your God is. You know God is the deliverer. You know Jesus is the sanctifier. You know the Holy Spirit is the one who moves upon your heart, behalf and vindicates you and looks at those things that are upright. And what I feel like He wants to do right now, yes, He wants to give us a Holy Ghost massage, but He wants us to operate in the power, in the anointing, in the presence, and in the glory of who He is. Because if we keep second-guessing who we are, the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of their ways. But if we're grounded and rooted in love, then we'll truly express the Father. And we're operating in the anointing that He's put upon our lives because we're all ministers of the gospel according to the grace that we've received. 
If the devil tries to steal from you your peace, if he tries to steal from you uh, your intimacy with Jesus or that time before Jesus, then let me tell you, you need to start rebuking the devourer and you need to start declaring who your God is. If you have any type of anxiety in you, you need to tell that thing to get off you in the name of Jesus. You need to tell your emotions who your God is. You need to remind the devil that you have right standing with the living God and that no devil in hell can stop you or pull you from your calling. The devil will try to unwind you in a way that might make you feel like you have an unequal footing. But God wants to so ground you and have you so rooted in love that you're going to stand in the midst of discomfort, that you'll stand in the midst of persecution, that you'll stand in the midst of adversity, that you'll stand there maybe while someone is spitting and cursing at you, but you'll love them anyway. Because... The people, for example, Stephen the martyr, who Paul or Saul in the beginning, his earlier name, when he was persecuting Stephen, he still said, forgive them, Father, they know, what, they know not what they do. He knows not what he is doing. When Stephen was stoned and he looked at the face of Jesus and he, he yes, he died, but he died a martyr's death. He did it and he did not turn around and, you know, he did not, um, you know, yell back at them. He asked the Lord to forgive them. It's the same as Jesus when he was hanging on that cross. Forgive them, Lord. They know not what they do. I really feel like, yes, the body of Christ, we've been through a lot. We've had a lot of shaking. But God is about to do the most amazing work yet. I'm going to go to Joel 2 right now because I think that the Lord has some profound keys because, you know, it talks about in uh, Peter on the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit poured out and they were waiting in the upper room. And they were waiting, remember, Jesus told them to wait. They were waiting there in the upper room for the Holy Spirit to come. And as they were waiting there, then there was a shaking. And the Holy Spirit came with tongues of fire on their heads. And people thought that they were so drunk and intoxicated. But Peter, who had previously denied Christ three times when the rooster crowed, Peter was the one that got up. And Peter was the one that said, God is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. He was quoting quoting Joel 2. And I want to go there so that we understand what God is going to do in the end times. The day of the Lord, Joel 2 verse 1, blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming for it is at hand a day of darkness and gloominess. Uh, halfway through verse 2, a people come great and strong, like of whom it has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them. 
Even for many successive generations, a fire devours before them and behind them a flame burns. Verse 5, with a noise like chariots, over mountaintops they leap, like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble, like a strong people set in battle array. This is how I see the body of Christ, a strong people in battle array. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation and they do not break ranks. They do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. That means that they are not stopped by losses. They are not halted by losses. Verse 11 The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Surrender your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. And He relents from doing harm. Verse 15, blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babes, let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride for her dressing room. Verse 18, then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. Further down, I will no longer make you a reproach against the nations. Verse 21, fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Verse 25, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, the crawling locusts and consuming locusts and the chewing locusts, my great army, which I sent among you. And my people will never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. If we're on the side of God, we'll never be put to shame. Even if we're persecuted, if it's for righteousness, we're even more blessed. God will never put us to shame. The world cannot shame us for right standing with the King of glory. And he shall come to pass, it shall come to pass afterward, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, for young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in these days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth. You see, even though there's a huge shaking happening right now. God wants to reveal His hand through wonders, through signs and through wonders. Blood and fire and pillars of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved." 
For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. There is going to be a shaking, but the people of God, God Himself has put an anointing on the remnant to see miracles, signs, wonders, glory, deliverance, fire, And I believe that God actually wants to commission us, even this morning, to reinstate us, to remind us of the high calling of God. He himself wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh so that people can prophesy and speak to the dry bones. And then he will pour out his spirit upon his men servants and maid servants. Why? So that you can bring, for example, deliverance in the marketplace. So you can be the body of Christ in the midst of your potentially a work situation. And I was speaking to a friend yesterday. She's working with people that are a different religion. But God wanted to use me to remind her that she's the light of Jesus Christ. Even people of different religions. God wants to put us through people that... You know, I may not have access to, Christine and Leo may not have access to, but you have access to them. So God wants to pour out His Spirit upon you so that you can prophesy, so that you can speak a word of nourishment to people's hearts, so that you can see God move in your everyday life. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon you and He has anointed you. You know, the gifts and callings of God are actually irrevocable. They're without repentance. Yes, God cares about your character, but let me tell you that anointing that's upon your life, God Himself gave you that anointing, that you don't need to strive in order to receive it. But when you receive the revelation of your identity and what you're called to, when you step out of the boat upon your commissioning and your agreement with what heaven wants to do, there comes the power and there comes the anointing. I just want to ask some of the musicians to come up because I wanted to minister into this space right now. going to go back to Joel 2 verse 9. Proclaim among the nations, prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble and come, all you nations. And gather together all around. Cause your mighty ones to go down there, O Lord. Verse 13. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come on down, for the wine press is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon will grow dark and the stars will diminish their brightness. The Lord will also roar in Zion and utter His voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and earth will shake, but 
The Lord will be a shelter for His people and the strength of the children of God. What I want to do is to minister to your hearts right now. It's what I feel like the Lord wants to do. Lord, I I praise You because You're faithful in the unknown. And I thank You, Jesus, that even when we're unsure, that You are sure. And Lord, we never rely upon our own understanding, but we submit to You. In all our ways, we acknowledge You and You direct our paths. What I wanna do is if you feel like you've had an unequal footing or you felt like you're on the end of the precipice, or the devil's been trying to steal your intimacy with God and you feel that's affected you in a way where the devil's trying to steal your anointing, then I want you to take a moment and stand. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I feel like there's some people in here where you're second-guessing yourself or you're second-guessing what the Lord has called you to. And you're looking at your current situation and you're feeling very off-put. It's almost like opposite to what you thought it would be. And I feel like God wants to reinstate you to what He's called you to do. And He wants to remind you that His gifts and callings are irrevocable. been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.